Welcome to the Dividend Cafe weekly market commentary focused on dividends in your portfolio and dividends in your understanding of economic life. Hello, welcome to today's COVID and Markets brought to you by the Dividend Cafe. This is David Bonson. I'm the Chief Investment Officer of the Bonson Group. And we uh, had one of those days again today. It's been a little while, and uh, I'm going to try to unpack it all for you. Uh, markets were down about 1,800 points on the Dow. Um, obviously, it's a little different when this market drop comes after such violent moves to the upside over the last uh, 10 days. Uh, the reality is the markets today got down to the level they had been literally 10 or 11 days ago. So um, it, it obviously, you know, we want to interpret it in context, but I do, I do think it's important to kind of understand what took place. I do have a chart at covidomarkets.com of the intraday movement. It was pretty much a straight line down throughout the day. And the VIX uh, exploded higher up about, let's see, it was a 48%. The VIX got back above 40. So that's traders putting on fear, putting on defense and protection. It, it's not um, as fundamentally driven. And, and really, there isn't a particular headline. I think it's a conflation of headlines. My my belief, and I've said this so many times, I, I just can't stop saying it. The markets don't need a reason to drop, but 1,800 points is obviously pretty significant. And, and I believe that you have today both the kind of consolidation event that many have been waiting for, just based on, on how much markets have moved, combined with a pretty heavy... Um, uh, repetition of media headlines around a so-called second wave, and I'm going to talk about that here in a second. So you you kind of already were overbought, technically speaking. You have very skittish investors that had all kind of poured in at the wrong time and and into the wrong things. By the way, you know, by far the biggest losers today were these airline stocks, cruise lines, more higher beta, higher beta, riskier things. Um, that I think are are more tradable and gamble uh, oriented than they are uh, long term investments, and so it was just uh, all these events put together. I think made for for a big sell off. As I'm speaking right now, futures are pointing to uh, an open an up open tomorrow. But you know we're we're very likely back into a period where even the futures are going to be quite volatile. I um had uh last night right before bed looked at the futures as I do every night and they were uh, they were down about 200 and then I got up this morning at 315 and they were down uh what was it I don't know maybe uh maybe 500 we we opened down 800 and then it just sort of you know con- continued that way throughout the day so I do believe that um that will get a better feel for whether or not this is a sustained sell-off or not, and it becomes a really attractive buying opportunity, or if it just sort of stays in this range. Um, but that's uh, that remains to be seen. Um, so, in terms of the health side of things, um, the, the second wave talk. You know, Texas reported twenty-five hundred new cases yesterday. California has seen an increase in hospitalizations. Florida as well. Uh, Arizona's case percentage has increased. It's very selective states. Now, all states have had the restrictions lifted, and some states have not just not seen an increase, which you would have expected there'd be some increase in cases with restrictions coming off, but you have states 
uh, like Georgia and Colorado and, and Wisconsin, where the numbers are really quite benign, if not, you know, significantly improved. I think you just have to unpack it case by case. You know, you as I've been making the point at COVIDandmarkets.com for several weeks now, you cannot have the vast uh, widespread data confirmation in a lot of the European countries and in so many U.S. states and then look at a couple other states that have different trends and numbers and use those minority cases to set the, the um, normative. Um, in Florida's case, they have 67,000 cases total in a state of 21.5 million people, um, and their per capita is 3,000 per 1 million people. That's one of the lowest per capita infection rates in the country. And now yesterday they had 1,300 new cases, but uh, over half of those were in South Florida, specifically Miami, Dade County, Broward, Palm Beach, and yet their positive percentage test has not moved higher. It's sitting right there above 5%, meaning that testing in these areas, which are highly populated with senior citizens, has doubled in recent days and weeks. So you, you kind of look under the hood to understand the data a little bit more. In Texas, new cases largely isolated to hotspots, nursing homes, jails, the meatpacking plant. Now there's uh, concern in Houston, Texas area that there isn't necessarily a particular nursing home or jail type explanation and yet uh, uh, move higher in new cases. So the Texas numbers have to be watched, again, relative to their overall population. We're still talking about very small numbers, but no question, as a percentage, those new cases have increased. Uh, California, Texas, Arizona, Florida, all different circumstances and different ways in which COVID data is being reflected. Um, but I think that there is a certain amount of disingenuity in the way a lot of it's being reported that I prefer to be able to see through. So uh, Johns Hopkins did describe this elevated case data, data as small and distant. Um, but uh, look, we don't know. It could very well pick up from here um, in a way that it did not pick up in a lot of the uh, European countries. Uh, and and frankly, one of the things holding the overall national numbers down is even as a couple states have seen some increase in case growth, uh, many other states have seen this really, really steady and significant decline, including those states where the bulk of coronavirus existed to begin with, New York, New Jersey, et cetera. So uh, my take, just real quickly, four facts I'll summarize. Uh, there is an uptick in cases in a few states. It's tiny as a percentage of population, but it's meaningful relative to case levels a couple weeks ago. Keep in mind, this is all pre any reporting we might expect out of the protests and things of the last week or so as well. Media rhetoric and descriptors might be somewhat disconnected, though, from an objective analysis of the data. Uh, the CDC, the FDA, and the White House COVID Task Force have all described these data points as random uh, with no relationship to reopening. Um, number three, there will be more case elevations in the days and weeks to come. You know, not only I mentioned last week's protest, there's always the possibility of some spreader, you know, being in an event or whatnot. Um, you, the question is not if we see more cases, but how much and how serious that's the really interesting thing so far is that for the most part where there has been case growth, there has not been hospitalization growth. There's a couple counties with exceptions to that. I presume that is based on the age of the population, but overall, um, a lot of containment on that severity 
Uh, personal hygiene safety remains the most effective abatement strategy. And of course, protection of the vulnerable is the most important societal strategy. Should we get to a point where policy restrictions become necessary again, they will this time be much more laser focused, not broad based sheltering of the entire economy. I'm quite certain of that. So we did over 420,000 tests today, a positivity rate of, again, just 4.8%. I did provide a chart that I've never done before at covidandmarkets.com from Johns Hopkins that has each state in a kind of quasi map of the country. So you can find the state relative to where it would actually sit on a map. And you can see where their case growth is getting better, staying the same, or the couple states where things are getting worse, give you kind of a national picture of things. Then finally, uh, Moderna's final stage clinical trial for their vaccine, they announced will begin in July. Uh, Regneron is progressing quickly with their antibody treatment. Um, the NAID is collaborating on the uh, final clinical trial with Moderna on the vaccine. So government is right there hand in hand collaborating um, with some of the various uh, company and think tank endeavors here. And of course, uh, it, we remain optimistic and hopeful as this is certainly moving from a vaccine development standpoint much quicker than anybody could have expected. Overall market technicals, I'm going to share more of what deterioration took place in market momentum today. Um, I'll, I'll share some of that uh, more over the weekend. But as far as the, like mentioned before, consumer discretionary, airline, gaming, retail, Travel auto stocks, these are obviously more cyclical, higher beta. A lot of these things got hammered today, and we see that uh, consumer staples area, um, I think, very much underpriced relative to consumer discretionary. And that, of course, happens to be the type of domain that we uh, swim in a bit more, uh, more uh, stable companies, more uh, uh, cash on hand, lower debt ratios, more um, dividend growth. Public policy-wise, I did put a chart of COVID markets of the sectors that have received PPP loans so far. Really kind of interesting and sort of underreported part of Secretary Mnuchin's testimony yesterday. So first time where he said that those recipients of the PPP loans are not going to be disclosed. Up to this point, the SBA has been saying they would be disclosed once they get the manpower to assemble all the data. So we'll see what happens with that. I don't know if there'll be pushback there or not. I don't know how many people really care, but I certainly was expecting we'd see that list. It is something like 50 million businesses, so it's a lot of reporting. But um, in terms of the sectors, it's just interesting that you have kind of about the same level in healthcare, in professional and technical services, in construction. And then it moves down quite a bit to manufacturing and it moves down a lot into accommodation food services. And accommodation food services, you would think, would be the sector that would have been in most distress. And so I think a lot of that has to do with the kind of rules that came around the PPP loan, around payroll and so forth. And we'll see if any of that picks up. Like I mentioned, there is still, what is it, 120 to $150 billion still untapped in the facility. So we'll see if they're able to get some of that out. $130 billion remains, excuse me. Uh, WTI crude was down today. It stayed above $36, though, but it, the upstream sector just got pummeled. Stockpiles at their highest level since 1982. Um, more on the Fed at COVIDmarkets.com. Uh, I have to jump now, so I won't un, uh, uh, you know get too into this now. Yield curve control. All they really said yesterday is that governors have received a briefing 
discussions are continuing. I remain in my position I've held for over two months now that that will happen. It will happen later in the summer or fall, not in the short term. So, look, we uh, have raised quite a bit of cash here at the Bonson Group. We did it well in advance of this sell-off. We do not have any plans to rush into deploying that dry powder. Uh, We want to deploy it in a very periodic and very systematic and very disciplined manner over the months ahead. Uh, But this volatility, uh, if anyone had money in the market yesterday and planned to pull it out today, uh, then, of course, this is very unfortunate, but that is not the way money is to be invested Uh, as as far as our projections in the short term, midterm, we expect trading range, volatile times, a lot of various conf- uh, factors in the news cycle. Um, and we're going to continue to keep our heads down, grind through, make the best decisions we can on the way. Please, if you have any questions, any concerns, reach out to us at the Bonson Group. We are very happy to engage with you directly and help through this time. Thank you for listening to COVID or Markets. The Bonson Group is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk. There is no guarantee that the investment process or investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. The Bonson Group and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the Bonson Group and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor for any related questions.